This story you're about to hear may be shocking and may be disturbing. This is a radio show about Wood Hood Podcast. This is a news story about Kingston and Rockwood and Spring City. They worship devils in there. They'll drink animals' blood and kill them and stuff and... And you go down here by the Echo Bridge Lodge. It's pretty creepy and disturbing. This story may scare children. That's what they're about to hear. Because it is very disturbing. So, here is a disturbing story. Where the baby is now to the tree. 
face. It's just so eerie. Did you hear that? I just keep hearing something. It's almost like we're being followed. As we're walking along this little trail, it's very overgrown. It's very thick. It felt like something was walking with us the entire time, watching from the tree lines. I swear there's something like right here beside of us. It was pretty unnerving. Guys, we just found bones. I don't know that they're human. That's spooky, guys. Head on back this way and find that tree. After an hour's journey, John led the men to the exact tree at the witch's circle where the killing took place. Guys, this is the tree that the baby was nailed to. This is so, just to think of what happened here, is so eerie. But that's when things got particularly scary. It's something of the malevolence. But that's not always the case. 
that is something that is very common. It's always the same type of scratch mark. It doesn't break the skin. It's sort of just like a raised kind of scratch. Are you okay, Kim? Yeah. A lot of people seem to believe that it's the mark of a demon. Not trying to kill you, but just kind of giving you a little bit of a warning. And I think that might be what's happening here. I felt like something was trying to protect itself. Like maybe it was the woman trying to protect and fight off where she still thinks she's fighting off the people that abducted her. John, Michael, and Tim decided to heed the warning and get out of those woods as soon as possible. Now I feel that we weren't supposed to be there, but to be able to document this and capture it for other people to see and to show that evidence that there is things out there we can't explain, uh, it was a good moment. It, it was, you know, I'm happy that I caught that so people can see this and, and it's out there for, for the public eye. Creepy that can be disturbing. at an alarming rate. Exactly. Okay, the line is 3800419532. During the past decade, an epidemic of ritual crime has swept our nation at an alarming rate. Law-abiding citizens report satanic crimes in every state, and the number of cases investigated by police continues to rise. Well-organized satanic groups are creating a reign of death and destruction, which cannot be ignored. FBI's 1988 Uniform Crime Report indicates more than 18,000 murder investigations during that year, and 26% of those murders were listed as bizarre or ritualistic. In that same year, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children listed more than 9,000 unresolved cases of missing children. The National Clearinghouse on Satanic Crime in America estimates 50% of the cases of missing children and bizarre murders may be linked directly to satanic and other occult organizations. It is common for these groups to kidnap their victims, usually infants and young children, from hospitals, orphanages, shopping centers, or off the streets. Others live and die without a trace. This is because some children are born to cult members, and later killed, so there are no records of their births or deaths. 
Inmate interviews conducted by Professor Al Carlisle of the Utah State Prison System show that lawbreakers are heavily involved in the occult. There may be as many as 60,000 human sacrifices per year in this country, according to Professor Carlisle, and there is a distinct correlation, he says, with these human sacrifices and the high number of missing persons. This is because some satanic groups dispose of their victim by dismembering the body and cremating the remains, eliminating any possibilities for identification. Members of satanic and occult groups come from all walks of life. Many are highly intelligent individuals. Michael A. Aquino, senior initiate and founder of the Temple of Set in San Francisco, is also a lieutenant colonel in the U.S. Army Reserve. He's received a top-secret security clearance to attend the National Defense University in Washington, D.C. Anton Sandor LeVay, founder of the Church of Satan, was once a circus lion tamer. These charismatic leaders, and many like them, seek out others who have a high degree of intelligence. Some cult leaders prey upon emotionally unstable people. Examples are Jim Jones of the Guyana Massacre and Charles Manson. With his Manson family, he created a reign of terror and death. Unsuspecting young people are drawn to the occult because of various influences, including breakdown of the family unit, lack of closeness, negative lifestyles, self-centeredness, and a me-oriented society full of throwaway and latchkey kids. Adolescents are ripe for satanic or occult involvement because of their maturing nature and developing sexuality. They feel a need to belong to a peer group structure, to be accepted or identified, and stand out among their associates and friends. Teenagers also tend to be impatient. They desire quick answers and the ability to cause instant changes. This eventually leads to rebellion against parental authority and social standards. Some young people are attracted to the occult by seemingly harmless pleasures, such as games and music. They start by participating in fantasy role-playing games, like Dungeons and Dragons. Others are drawn into Satanism by heavy metal rock music. These heavy metal groups flaunt satanic symbols on their album covers and anti-Christian satanic messages in their music. Their songs promote the demonic themes of death, doom, violence, and the rejection of morality and religion. Heavy metal groups and solo artists such as Slayer, Ozzy Osbourne, Motley Crue, Venom, and ACDC have sent heavy metal record sales skyrocketing. Members of satanic or occult groups share common traits, such as an interest in old occultic forms of religion and worship. The desire to perform certain bizarre acts that society condemns. Belief in the ability to control magic for personal gain. Mind control, or the power to force others to act out whatever is commanded of them. And the access to perform perverted sex acts, such as homosexuality, bisexuality, sodomy, bestiality, and necrophilia. Not all satanic or occultic groups engage in illegal activities. However, many do, and some of their criminal acts include trespassing, vandalism, burglary, animal mutilations, trafficking and selling of illegal drugs.
kidnapping, physical, mental, and sexual child abuse, rape, and murder. All of these acts are carried out in the name of Satan. Therefore, the participants have no remorse after having committed them. The satanic philosophy teaches that personal pleasure is the ultimate achievement, even at the expense of others. There are four different symbols which refer to the mark of the beast, or Satan. Three sixes in a row. Three sixes facing inward of each other. Three Fs in a row, F being the sixth letter of the alphabet. Also, three circles interlinked with each other. The sign of the horns is a hand signal given among members of the occult. Teenagers who flock to heavy metal concerts flash this sign often. The swastika, or broken cross, originally represented the four winds, four seasons, and the four points of the compass. Today, Satanists use it to symbolize the elements of nature turning against itself to create a world out of harmony. The upside-down cross is a blaspheme of the Christian cross. This symbol is often found at satanic ritual sites and at schools and churches which have been vandalized and desecrated. The cross of confusion is an ancient Roman symbol questioning the existence or validity of Christianity. It is often seen on road signs and bridges as well as public buildings. The inverted pentagram, also called the Baphomet, represents two things. One, man's denial of God and acceptance of Satan. The other, the goat's head, which symbolizes man's lust for the flesh. Sometimes, you may see the goat's head superimposed within the pentagram. The hexagon, also referred to as the seal of Solomon, is frequently used by many young people in the occult world. A triangle may vary in size, but it is generally inscribed on the ground and is the place where a demon would appear in conjured rituals. The circle symbolizes eternity and protection from evil. Other symbols of Satan are the letters ACDC, which stand for Antichrist Devil Child. Horns and tail added to any letter of the alphabet. A lightning bolt indicating heaven to hell strength and occult numbers 3, 6, 9, and 13, which may also appear in Roman numeral form. I am the sayer of the law. Here come all that be you to learn the law. Say the words. Learn the law. Satanists and occultists celebrate several rituals and ceremonies each year. You should remember these important dates because they will coincide with numerous reports of abductions, missing persons, and ritual crimes. someone you know is drawn to Satanism. Review these levels of satanic involvement. The fun and games level may include conversations, ego boosts, and possibly some initial interest in the subject. This level also includes the fantasy role-playing games, which could lead into the second level, referred to as the dabblers, a half-belief in Satanism or some serious interest. 
it is at this second level where warning signs of satanic behavior may be apparent, such as a sudden, bitterly antagonistic attitude towards family and religion, a drastic decline in academic performance, a reclusive behavior pattern, and listening exclusively to heavy metal rock music, almost to the point of addiction. When one or more of these warning signs are evident, you should look further for ritual items such as a pentagram or other satanic symbols, black or red robes, a decorative dagger or knife, a chalice or goblet, black candles, a personal diary with a black cover, which is called a book of shadows, and copies of publications, such as the Satanic Bible, and the satanic rituals, and possibly a small makeshift altar. If you discover items such as these, experts advise you contact your local law enforcement agency at once. Joining a satanic or occult group will, in time, lead into the no-turning-back stage, usually involving criminal activities. People at this level believe that violent or criminal action is necessary to achieve their goals and are prone to violent crime. These highly destructive Satanists make families their primary targets. They believe that the breakdown of the family unit will guarantee the destruction of goodness, morality, and civilization. And that is when the nightmare begins for decent people everywhere. For some, the nightmare is over. They are the victims of satanic crime. Overcoming this evil begins with every family. Parents must provide attention and love, protecting their children from corrupt influences, keeping the lines of communication open, and insisting on proper education. When this is accomplished, you can be confident that children will grow into happy, well-adjusted, and productive citizens, free from satanic and occultic influences. Number 15, Rebecca Chandler and Raven Larrabee. In 2011, a man traveled by bus from Phoenix, Arizona, all the way to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, to have a threesome with two girls he had met online. Rebecca Chandler was 22, and Raven Larrabee was 18. Little did he know what other plans they had in store for him. The duo actually turned out to be blood-hungry Satan worshippers looking for their next victim. 
They tied him down with duct tape and began to have relations with him as promised. Everything was going great until he was ready to leave. Instead of letting him go, they pulled out a knife. They proceeded to cut him over and over again on his neck, legs, arms and back. For more than two days, he was repeatedly stabbed and kept against his will. The cuts ranged from shallow slashes to deep puncture wounds. Exactly what the purpose of their ritual was, was never released. Their satanic sex play ended only after the man broke free from his restraints and ran outside for help. When police found him, he was covered in more than 300 wounds and bleeding heavily. A detective was able to follow the blood spatters all the way to the young girl's apartment, where they found a large concentration of blood on the floor and on the bed itself. Worst of all, investigators found that the women owned a pit bull that they had most likely been abusing. A deep cut was found in the animal's neck that was similar in length to the cuts that were found on the victim. Despite all of this, police were unable to prove that the sex acts were non-consensual and had to let the pair go without any charges. Exactly what happened to their dog is unknown. Number 14. Marge Snyder in 1991, Marge Schneider was a 37-year-old. She had spent the past 15 years in and out of psychiatric wards due to multiple personalities. She was eventually put on social disability and allowed to live on her own, but she needed to see a psychologist at least twice a week in order to keep receiving payment. The last thing her psychologist ever expected to uncover was evidence of a massive satanic cult. Through extensive therapy, Marsh was able to uncover the root of all of her personality disorders. She had been repressing painful memories of being sexually abused hundreds of times in satanic orgies. The cult was led by none other than her father. With her psychologist's help, Marsh began to remember how she became pregnant no less than three times, and how after each delivery, her father sacrificed the newborn baby in the name of Satan. This evil and traumatic lifestyle forced Marge to develop multiple personalities as a way to distance herself from the pain and guilt she felt on a day-to-day -day basis. The psychologist was convinced these memories were not mere fabrications. Keep in mind that Marge was speaking to a licensed professional who was trained to tell the difference between a patient telling the truth and a patient having a schizophrenic breakdown. No matter how many times Marge was asked to repeat herself, every detail of her stories remained the same. Although the medical community remains divided as to what truly happened, Marsh insists that she is telling the truth. Many ask why the police have not investigated further, and Marsh replies that they are in on the cult. It may sound a bit far-fetched, but then again, there is at least one psychologist who completely believes her. Number 13. Animal Sacrifices in 2013, a large farm in the UK became the target of repeated animal attacks by a satanic cult. In the first attack, four of the family's ducks were decapitated and laid out in pairs. That same night, a goat named Minstrel had the top half of its horn ripped off, and a horse had one of its shoes pried off with a crowbar. These all happened to be common ingredients for satanic rituals. The attacks soon grew more bold and vicious over time. One month later, a different pet goat named Chocolate had his neck broken and his head completely cut off. 
The goat's skin was sliced off and carefully led next to his severed head, along with most of its amputated organs. After a lamb was mutilated soon after, the family had finally had enough. They moved all of the remaining animals to someplace safe while they tried to catch the people responsible. Unfortunately, the cult was never found. Just six years prior, a different family who lived nearby had 100 of their sheep killed. The animal's eyes, tongues, and genitalia were all mysteriously removed. Locals are sure that this incident is tight with the newer attacks, but nothing has been proven yet. Number 12. The Sons of Baphomet. In March of this year, a satanic gang in Mexico convinced a 24-year-old restaurant worker named Edwin Juarez Palma to meet them after his shift to join their cult. When they said his initiation ritual involved tying his hands behind his back, Edwin eagerly obeyed without a second thought. And that's when things went horribly wrong. As soon as his hands were tied, one of the gang members changed their mind about what the ritual should be. They decided that he should be allowed to join their cult still, but it should be as a vampire. Of course, in order for this to happen, they've reasoned that they would have to kill him first. They each took turns strangling Adwin, beating him and torturing him with broken glass bottles. They grew tired of doing this to him after some time, and they stabbed him in the throat with a shard of glass to end it all. They tried to clean up the crime scene with bleach, but they left enough evidence behind for the authorities to track them down. The three Satanists are currently awaiting trial. Each of them faces up to 40 years if they are convicted of murder. Number 11. Ricky Caso. Ricky Caso was involved in a satanic cult known as the Knights of the Black Circle. He and about 20 other local teenagers were known to hold black magic gatherings and perform rituals with stolen neighborhood pets, often torturing them at length before burning them to death. When Ricky was arrested for opening a 19th century casket and stealing a skull and a hand to use in a ritual, he was given a trial date and was released. Little did police know that Ricky would take this final opportunity as a free man to murder in the name of Satan. Unsurprisingly, Ricky was a psychopathic drug addict who smoked a lot of PCP. Sometime earlier, a man named Gary Lawers had stolen ten bags of the powdery substance from him, which infuriated him to no end. Even though Gary had given back half of it, he still owed Ricky $50 for the rest thus making him the perfect target for a revenge killing that would also surely impress the Dark Lord himself. With death on his mind, Ricky grabbed two of his evil friends, and together they all convinced Gary to forget about the stupid money he owed and come hang out. They all got high of a hallucinogenic drug called mescaline and started the bonfire in the woods. That's when Ricky bit Gary's neck and stabbed him in the chest. Gary fell to the ground, stunned, Ricky continued to methodically torture him using a blade, and he severely burned his most sensitive areas while he was at it too. Whenever Gary would get a burst of adrenaline and try to run away, Ricky's satanic friends would drag him back to the fire for more stabbings and brutal torture. Ricky took hours to slowly kill his victim, taking great pride in his suffering the whole time. When he felt like Gary finally had enough, he told the 17-year-old victim to say that he loved Satan. When Gary said that he loved his mother instead, Ricky heard a crow call out to him in the distance. He knew that the bird was really Satan, instructing him to gouge out Gary's eyes, 
And that's exactly what he did. The three proud murderers didn't bury the body for ten full days. Instead, they bragged about their bloody achievement, and they showed the corpse to anyone who didn't believe them. This is also how they quickly got caught, though. After one year in prison, Ricky hung himself in his cell. Perhaps Satan was whispering, good job, into his ear as he died. Number 10. Nikolai Ogolobaya. In June of 2008, a group of Russian friends went into the woods. Four of them had been pre-selected by the group to serve as sacrifices. They were forced to drink more alcohol than they could stand while under the threat of violence should they disobey. Each of them were around 16 or 17 at the time. When they were too drunk to properly defend themselves, their Satanist friends attacked. Unbeknownst to their victims, this murder was actually an initiation ritual for new members to join a cult. The recruits counted out loud as they stabbed the victims 666 times each. All of them were stabbed repeatedly in the genitals, possibly while still alive. With their murder ritual complete, the teens started a bonfire and ate some of their remains to gain their power. They finished their night out by sacrificing a rodent and crucifying it on an upside-down cross before returning to their homes. They may have gotten away with satanic murder, if not for just one thing. Earlier that night, one of the victims, a girl named Varia, had made a phone call to her friend. She said that something wasn't right about the people she was hanging out with. This call is what led to the arrest of eight cult members. Police thought they had caught everybody until they realized that all of the victims had called the number of a boy named Nikolai Ogolobayak on the night of their deaths. Even though he was a former choir boy, police knew that he was the leader of a cult and went out to investigate. When they searched his property, they found a pit full of body parts nearby. Arms, legs, heads, hearts, scalps and genitalia had all been thrown together into a shallow grave. The body parts had since been used for other rituals and had satanic imagery carved into the flesh. One of the suspects, a boy named Alexander, confessed that he had dug up the body of a girl and eaten her heart. I tried to turn to God, he said, but it didn't bring me any money. I prayed to Satan and things improved. Alexander, Nikolai and the others were sentenced to 20 years in prison for the murders. One of them was found to have schizophrenia, was committed to a mental institution instead. Another one of the culprits received a lesser sentence for only watching the murders without participating. Number nine, the Ripper Crew. This satanic gang will drive around in a windowless van looking for prostitutes to sacrifice. Their leader, Robin Gecht, had an apartment that the trio would bring young women back to. When they got home, they had a satanic murder ritual that they liked to play out over and over again. First, they would chop a breast off of their victim while they were still alive. Next, Robin would read passages out of the satanic Bible as they listened and slowly chewed on the severed body part. The disgusting maniacs would often violate the victim's wound until they climaxed, at which point they would then dispose of the body. The group murdered a handful of women in this fashion from 1981 until 1982. That was when a victim named Beverly Washington was found barely alive near the railroad tracks with her left breast cut off. She described the van the three were driving in. 
This information led police to a group of men who all lived close to the sites where the bodies were found. Two of them made confessions and Robin was arrested, though he always maintained his innocence. He was sentenced to 120 years in prison. His accomplices, however, admitted everything and they were given the death sentence. Number eight, hatred. In 1995, Royce, Jacob and Joseph were three teenage metalheads growing up in Nipomo, California. They had a death metal band called Hatred that they were pretty proud of, but they wanted to gain a reputation as being one of the craziest bands to ever exist. To achieve this, they made a promise to the devil that they would sacrifice a blonde virgin to him. Her name was Elise Parler, and she was only 15 years old when the three boys invited her over to smoke marijuana. When they were finished smoking, Jacob took off his belt and strangled her as Casey held her down. Joseph then stood over her and stabbed her in the neck multiple times while she struggled for her life. He gave the knife to Jacob so that he could take a stab, and Jacob passed it on to Royce. Elise was stabbed 12 times in total and slowly bled to death while they took her virginity. They buried her in a shallow grave and told some of their friends about the murder but no one believed them. During this time, Jacob returned to the body and had his way with it again. It wasn't until Royce had a change of religion that he confessed his crimes to the police. Royce said that his bandmates were going to kill again soon, and he feared this time it could be him. When the police investigator asked him why he had committed the murder, Royce calmly replied that it was to receive power from the devil so that he could play the guitar better. He and his friends were handed a sentence of 26 years of life behind bars. Number seven, Daniel and Manuela Ruda. When police caught up with 26-year-old Daniel Ruda and his 23-year-old wife, Manuela, the two had no problem admitting that they killed a man named Frank Hagen. What they would not admit, however, was that they were murderers. That's because, in their minds, Satan made them do it. I got the order to sacrifice a human for Satan, Daniel told the court during his trial. Manuela agrees, stating that it wasn't murder, it was the execution of an order. Satan ordered us to, it simply had to be. Hey. After thinking hey, about if it, you're getting tired of me, you added, fixing something, just tell me. We wanted to make sure that the victim so said well. if you said that you're getting tired so of me. Mm -hmm. They Just invited Frank over time. to their apartment and they beat him senseless with a hammer. They used the scalpel to inflict dozens of painful incisions while he was still alive, and they carved a pentagram into his chest before stabbing him deeply in his stomach and letting him die. A German judge showed more compassion to them than they showed to their victim. Both of them were committed to a psychiatric hospital instead of prison. Number six, Moses. A man named Moses Meraz Espinoza was only 18 when he walked into the Los Angeles Police Department with a shocking confession. He had recently strangled his mother to death for Satan. Police entered his apartment in Maywood and followed a trail of blood to the bathroom, where they found he had covered the walls and floor with layers of plastic wrap. Plugged into the wall was an electric saw. Fresh chunks of bone and gristle were drying on the blade. In the freezer, police found Moses' mother's skin and muscle all wrapped up in plastic storage bags. Her rotting skull was found with all of its teeth pulled out and the eyes removed. 
Moses had cast an inverted cross deep into the bone before stashing <coughs> it inside of his backpack for later rituals. He said that he needed help getting rid of the body, so he called one of his cousins. However, instead of helping, she told him to call the cops instead. He thought about it for a bit and took her advice. A judge sentenced him to 25 years to life. Here's a strange twist to an already bizarre story. According to Moses, he had two other Satanists help him dismember the body. They were never found. And neither was his mother's internal organs. Whatever rituals they were used for is anyone's guess. Number five, Jose Reyes and Victor Alas. In February of 2014, two Texas teenagers spent an entire night torturing a 15-year-old girl named Corian Cervantes to death. They did it for no other reason than to sell their soul to the devil. Jose and Victor lured the young girl into an abandoned apartment in Houston. When she got deep into the apartment, they attacked her with everything available. Victor used his belt to strangle her, while Jose beat her over the head with everything from an ashtray to a ceramic toilet lid. She bit one of them and started to run around the property in a panic. Why are you doing this to me? She asked them while fleeing. When they caught up to her, the two of them used a plastic curtain rod to poke both of her eyes out so that she couldn't run away again. Then they stabbed her with a screwdriver over 60 times, carved an inverted cross into her stomach and molested her well after she had died. Corianne was so badly abused that her corpse could not be positively identified. Only after the two confessed her name were investigators able to close the case. They showed no regrets and were sentenced to life in prison. Number four, Pablo Vasquez. Otherwise known as the Texas Vampire, Pablo Vasquez met a 12-year-old boy while at a party in the city of Donna. He was drunk and high when Satan told him to sacrifice the child immediately. Pablo did as he was told without a moment's hesitation. He took a piece of pipe and struck the boy in the head repeatedly. When the boy was barely breathing, he took a shovel and brought it down on his throat. Then he kneeled down and started to drink the blood as it spurted out of the wound. When police uncovered the buried body of 12-year-old David Cardenas, one of his arms was completely missing and the other one was a stump. There was no skin on his back at all and he had a hole in the back of his head. The devil was telling me to take it away, Pablo later said as he explained why he tried to unsuccessfully decapitate the boy. The blood was dripping and I got it all over my face, so I don't know. I mean, something just told me to drink. This tragic murder occurred in April of 1998. Pablo was executed by lethal injection nearly 20 years later, in April of 2016. Nobody knows what he did with the boy's skin and arms. Number three, Zachary King. Zachary King began practicing black magic at the age of 10. By the age of 13, he had found a satanic cult to call his own. One year later, he was helping doctors perform satanic acts inside of abortion clinics. According to Zachary, he would take a scalpel and make the first incision. A trained abortion doctor would then finish the procedure and rip out the baby while adults chanted all around him. The doctor would throw the baby onto the floor and members of Zachary's cult would usually eat it. Zachary did this procedure five times before becoming a high wizard. Once he hit this rank, he was popular enough to be invited by satanic societies from all over. They used him to perform the dark ritual 141 more times. 
Cops and sheriffs were often bribed to not investigate any further. That is, if they weren't already a part of the organization themselves. Zachary says that the abortions were ultimately used as a way to dedicate a steady supply of young souls to Satan. He says that many of the abortionists were Satanists themselves, and that at the end of the day, he would help them perform rituals that would ensure all the unborn souls went straight to hell. Number two, Satanic Weddings. It may seem like a strange thought, but devil worshippers often fall madly in love. When they do, it's time for a Satanic Wedding. Although this dark ceremony has been banned in many parts of the world, it still continues to spread everywhere. A satanic wedding uses a dozen black candles for light. A single red candle sits in the center of the room on an altar, along with a sword, a chalice, two wedding rings, incense, and a gong. The gold demon known as Baphomet hangs on the wall to watch over the bride and groom, who can either wear clothing or go naked if they so choose. A Baphomet amulet must be worn around their necks at all times. Oddly enough, the ritual involves bridesmaids, ushers, and even a flower girl. The priest can be a man or a woman, and same-sex marriages have been allowed since the very beginning. The best man strikes the gong three times slowly to begin the ceremony. The priest invokes the name of Satan and concedes to his dark powers. He also pays respects to 15 other gods and goddesses, including the goddess of love and the Egyptian gods of the moon and the sun. The audience is expected to repeat every deity's name as soon as the priest says it. Next, the priest holds up the red candle and calls upon the elements of fire. He does the same for the elements of air, earth, and for water, each time holding up a different object from the altar as he speaks. In Satanism, these elements of nature are what makes the bride and groom's love possible and the priest must acknowledge them. He then ties the bride and groom together by their right hand as he explains to them the difference between man and women. According to the Church of Satan, the bride carries with her the dark energy of Babylon, otherwise known as the mother of abominations. She is dark, but also soft and intuitive. The groom carries with him the masculine powers of Satan. Together, their powers can supposedly find balance as they become one. The bride and groom take turns holding a dagger and say their vows, each pledging their souls only to each other instead of any mere god. They compare the power of their love for each other to that of a dagger, and then they dip its blade into a chalice full of wine. Their hands are untied, and they put the rings on each other's fingers. After the priest shouts, Hail Satan, the couple have officially united in the eyes of Lucifer. Now, before we move on to number one, have you heard of any satanic activity in your area? I'm really curious about how much of this is still going on around the world. I'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a comment and tell us. Oh, and while you're at it, give us a like as well. It really helps us out more than you think it does. Number one. Satanic Funerals According to the Satanic Scriptures by Peter H. Gilmore, Satanic Funerals can come in many forms. Cremations, burials at sea, and traditional coffin burials are all permissible. Similarly, the type of cemetery in which they are buried doesn't matter. Surprisingly, non-Satanists are welcome to attend Satanic Funerals. They can wear whatever they want, but Satanists must distinguish themselves by wearing the Baphomet amulet as well as a piece of white clothing, or white is the color of death in Satanism. 
The leader of the funeral ceremony, also known as the celebrant, is encouraged to wear a sash with a skull and crossbones. Traditional black robes are preferred, but not necessary. A satanic funeral has two altars. On one altar are many of the same items that are needed for a satanic wedding, and on the other are two black candles along with some possessions that at once belong to the deceased. If the person's body has been cremated, then the celebrant is encouraged to lay a real human skull on the altar to represent them in their absence. A black candle is lit near the deceased person's head, and this represents what's known as the black flame, or the connection that Satanists feel with Satan himself. This candle is used to light smaller black candles that are held by the funeral participants. You can supposedly feel the forbidden power of Satan while holding this, though I would never dare to try. They are encouraged to meditate at the altar and shared some of their possessions as tribute to the deceased. Using the black flame candle, the celebrant lights the two black candles on the altar and begins a process to purify the air. He sounds a gong nine times while turning counterclockwise, each time pausing to face north, south, east and west. Each of these directions represent the sacred elemental powers of fire, earth, air and water. Next, he invokes Satan through a long and elaborate passage called the Hymn of Satan. Fifteen other lesser gods and goddesses are also invoked. These deities are different than the fifteen who are called upon during weddings. They range from ancient Aztec gods to Pluto, who is the Greek king of the underworld. The congregation is expected to chant each god's name as soon as it passes over the celebrant's lips. The celebrant concludes the ceremony by saying, Arise, O gods of the abyss, and bear witness to these testimonials that celebrate the life of one who was thy kith and kin. After more satanic recitations, the congregation is allowed to speak about their memories of the deceased. The candles are extinguished, and the evil ceremony... Fifteen other lesser gods and goddesses are also invoked. These deities are different than the fifteen who are called upon during weddings. They range from ancient Aztec gods to Pluto, who is the Greek king of the underworld. The congregation is expected to chant each god's name as soon as it passes over the celebrant's lips. The celebrant concludes the ceremony by saying, Arise, O gods of the abyss, and bear witness to these testimonials that celebrate the life of one who was thy kith and kin. After more satanic recitations, the congregation is allowed to speak about their memories of the deceased. The candles are extinguished, and the evil ceremony is over. Hello everyone, Sir Amy here. Thank you so much for watching. Number 15. Bring ceremonies. Creepy ceremonies. This video is quite a long one, but be sure to stay.
this video, we take a look at the most bizarre and hidden ceremonies that take place around the world. Mainstream media won't even dare to broadcast this footage. This video is quite a long one, but be sure to stick around. Located in Sonoma County, Northern California, the Bohemian Grove is a 2,700-acre redwood grove. The elite of the world, including bankers, politicians, and presidents, attend the grove to perform a mock human sacrifice to a 40-foot statue of an owl. The grove currently has up to 2,700 members and is a men's-only club. Members and guests who enter the grove must follow the strict guidelines of what goes on at the grove stays at the grove. All discussions within the grove, whether they be business-related or personal, must stay confident. The grove is not just simply a high-profile camping spot. It consists of hundreds of structures ranging from clubhouses to bedrooms, theatres, industrial-sized kitchens, and the staging area where the cremation of care is performed. In 1981, ABC News surprisingly aired a news story about the Bohemian Grove. The report listed members such as Gerald Ford, George H.W. Bush, Ronald Reagan, Richard Nixon, and many more. Mark Dice, who is an expert on the Bohemian Grove, released a book titled Bohemian Grove, Fact and Fiction. In the book, he goes into detail about the groups. These are the groups he claims to be part of the club. The Hillbillies. This is supposedly made up of CEOs, bankers, politicians, and media moguls who come from the state of Texas. Known members of this group, according to Wikipedia, are members of the Bush family. A creepy fact about this particular group is that their logo or insignia is a hoofed and horned devil figure. Mark Dice also states that the most elite group or subcamp is known as Mandalay. This group consists of former presidents and political figures. Before the elite indulge in various activities, they must first perform the cremation of care. During this ritual, they sacrifice a human effigy made out of a metal framework which is covered in paper. This ceremony is done at sunset on the second Saturday of July each year. It is conducted by a man known as a high priest. He wears a silver robe with a red cape. The high priest is accompanied by about 24 men who wear long black and red robes. The men also carry torches. The high priest wears a microphone which broadcasts his voice over a sound system. The ritual is watched by about a thousand spectators. Here is actual footage from a Bohemian Grove ceremony. human effigy to a 40-foot concrete owl statue. The owl is the grove's mascot. The owl is known as the owl of Minerva. It represents the goddess of wisdom. Many conspiracy theorists believe the owl represents Molech. This is an ancient god from the Middle East in which Canaanite culture would sacrifice their children to. The effigy they sacrifice is known as Ker. 
They burn it and sacrifice it to the owl so that they can become carefree while at the grove and partake in various activities. This footage was captured by radio show host, documentary filmmaker and writer Alex Jones after he successfully infiltrated into the Bohemian Grove in 2000. Since then, the security in and around the grove has increased. Police dogs and thermal cameras are now used to make sure future infiltrations do not occur. According to Mark Theiss and his research, not only is it male prostitution that occurs, so does female. In his book, he states that as it's a men's only club, the members go to a close-by Northwood Lodge and Resort to have sex with the female prostitutes. In 1989, a man by the name of Philip West infiltrated the Grove and claimed that the recent outbreak of AIDS had affected the homosexual activities going on at the Grove. In 2004, the New York Post claimed a male porn star by the name of Chad Savage was employed at the Grove. This was actually true, but officials claimed he was only working there as a valet. Conspiracy theorists believe this was a cover story. President Richard Nixon actually commented on the homosexual ongoings at the Grove. This is what he had to say about it. Well, your upper class in San Francisco is that way. Yeah. The Bohemian Grove that I attend. I'm trying to the years and the others that come here. But it is the most fagging goddamn thing you will hear. I've never imagined our San Francisco crowd because it's just terrible. The Grove's employees claim it is simply a holiday retreat for the elite. It is also said to be a place where the elite can discuss social economic policy issues. Almost every president claims the discussion of their upcoming presidency started at the Grove. Whenever politicians are confronted about the Grove, they always act strangely. The Bohemian Club? Did you say the Bohemian Club? That's where all those rich Republicans go up and stand naked against redwood trees, right? <laughs> I've never been to the Bohemian Club, but you ought to go and be good for you. Get some fresh air. One last question. I read a Washington Times article many years ago where you had a comment about the organization, and then now it's been in the Wall Street Journal, it's been in a lot of different newspapers, and that's the Bohemian Grove. And back in, what was it, 19... Uh, 96 when you joined uh, as a Clinton advisor they were the Republicans were criticizing you oh what about Bohemian Grove and then you counter uh, and then you countered them by saying hey I don't run around in the woods naked what did that mean I don't, I don't know what I don't know what quote you're referring to I'm not aware of any quote like that uh, listen uh, I am uh, a happy member of the Bohemian Grove I like the, the folks who come there and uh, it's really inappropriate for me to uh, talk about a uh, uh, the group beyond that Thank you. Have you been there for the ceremony with uh, the cremation of care? Uh, frankly, that's, uh, that, uh, I don't think that's something I need to talk to you about. Rich people are known for having some pretty extravagant parties, such as seen on reality TV programs and Wall Street parties. These photos were released, which shows a party from 1972. Now, this isn't really a ceremony, but it's still quite strange. A family of financiers who are estimated to have a net worth of 400 billion were hosting the party. As you can see from the photos, they dress up in suits and wear very bizarre masks. Along with this, their table decorations include dismembered dolls of cracked skulls. Some guests include artist Salvador Dali. The invitation for the event was written backwards. As bizarre as the party is, it is simply rich people having fun. It may also be some sort of art party as Salvador Dali attended. I have uncovered a creepy conspiracy theory that is believed to have exposed the even stranger ongoings at affluent parties. Websites such as Infowars and Vigilant Citizen have touched on this theory. According to the theory, 
Film director Stanley Kubrick exposed the elite and their strange parties in his 1999 film, Eyes Wide Shut. For those that have seen the movie, you will already know what happens, but for those that haven't, let me quickly summarize it. The film stars Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. Tom Cruise plays a doctor by the name of Bill Hartford, and Nicole Kidman plays his wife, Alice. Bill is the doctor to some pretty wealthy people, and due to this, he gets invited to one of their balls. He and his wife attend the ball. It seems quite normal. While there, Bill meets an old friend from school who is playing the piano to entertain guests. Later on in the film, he meets his friend again. The friend then goes on to describe to 